Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for tuning in to the Big Honker Podcast. Listen, everybody needs to stay caffeinated this time of year. Dirty Duck Coffee. It's the way we start our morning out here every single day with the Missouri Boat Ride Blend. It's a nice uh, pecan flavor, pecan praline. Put it in my thermos with a little dash of peppermint mocha, white chocolate sometimes, you know. Get a little it's, like, it's like I'm at Starbucks, Joe. Get a little fruity on me. I love the Suns Up, Guns Up t-shirts and stuff. They got some cool swag. Check them out at DirtyDuckCoffee.com. Next, we are brought to you by Mr. Corey with Double T British Kennel. Oh, great dogs. Corey's got some great dogs out there right now. Uh, we we ran them last year. Uh, fan, phenomenal dogs. Uh, they're great, great house dogs, great pets, but they also have a ton of drive in the field. So if you're looking for a puppy, a starter dog, finished dog, whatever you need, head over to BritLabs.com. Contact Corey over there. Even if you just have a question, you know, something maybe you're uh, – Doing your own thing and you need uh, some advice from a professional, Corey's always willing to lend a helping hand. So. A great, a very good person. Great dogs. Highly recommend BritLabs.com. That's Double T British Kennels. Next, we're brought to you by Ducks Unlimited. They just finished their Into the Vault sale. They crushed all the records. Uh, more money for conservation and wetland habitat. Listen, get involved somehow. Start a chapter. Join a chapter. Whatever you've got to do, Ducks Unlimited, put your... Uh, dollars to work and they're the leader in wetland conservation for a reason they're great people we had jimbo robinson out here phenomenal guy david schusler great great people and they do a lot of work on behalf of waterfowl hunters from texas up into canada they've, they've always got our best interests at heart so they've got a new thing support them. right now make a year-end donation to ducks limited and choose your gift so check them out at ducks ducks.org next we're brought to you by lucky duck i have ran the new spinner the one the uh, that's got the black and white wings. And it makes a big difference because ducks can see that black and white flash, like Jeff's been saying for years on this podcast. They can see it better. So we've been doing those. We've had a couple of duck hunts that have gone really, really well. Uh, they've got a new rotary out that we've ran a couple times, had some success. They've got kennels that are five-star crash test rated, so you can feel confident whenever you put your uh, four-legged hunting buddy in the back of your pickup truck in a kennel. Something bad were to happen, they're protected. Extend your hunting season. Everybody, whenever the waterfowl season's over, go out there and get you a Lucky Duck varmint call and start shooting them coons. Help the turkeys out. Help the quail population out. Shoot the coons. And that's at LuckyDuck.com. You can get whatever you need. The new spinner, A-frames, they got a lot of cool stuff for 2023, 2024. So check them out, LuckyDuck.com. We're also brought to you by Boss Shot Shell. Bismuth is the way to go. Get that lead out of here, and it's a lot better than steel. And if you want some Boss swag, you need to call the shop and you can order it direct from them at the shop. And that's at BossShotShells.com. Also, get ready to stock up. Got turkey loads coming. Get the Boss Tom. Turkey season, believe it or not, is only four months away. It's not very far away. I am in love with the uh, War Chief. I mean, it is it is hard-hitting. Uh, a lot of research and development went into this shotgun shell, and it makes a difference out in the field. So... Also, we're brought to you by Pacific Calls. You can use our promo code. BHP25 will save you 25% at checkout. That is site-wide. Whatever you want, whether you're getting honker calls, spec calls, duck calls, turkey calls, whatever you're getting. Swag, it still applies. 25% off. There's nobody else out there that is going to give you 25% off. I mean, it's a, it's a steal, and everybody needs to take advantage of it. PacificCustomCalls.com. You can fill up your shopping cart. Use the promo code at the very end, BHP25, 25% off. They are great guys. You can always get a hold of them if you have any issues. Use the promo code BHP25. 
we would uh, we would love to see your lanyard full of Pacific calls. Next, we are brought to you by Dive Bomb Industries. The hunting has turned here, so I am now running uh, some of the fully flocked specs. And got to tell you, first couple of times made a difference. Birds were actively trying to get to the fully flocked decoys. I'm a fan. I know what I'm ordering next year. More fully flocked decoys. DiveBombIndustries.com. They're great people over there. And they have been with us since basically the beginning of this show. So head over there. Good people. Take Go check it out. Cody Stokes, Asher Tolliver, done a great job. DiveBombIndustries.com. Next, we're brought to you by Mossberg, the Pro Waterfowl 940. Got a choice around here at Stanford Hunting Outfitters. Uh, it handles the, handles the uh, fine sand that we have out here. It plays fits on a lot of guns, but not the Mossberg 940. It's a great gun. <clears throat> Even Maddie shoots it. Maddie Robertson. I mean, how could you not? How could you not trust him? I've been shooting the twenty gauge over under and the twenty eight gauge over under. Great right. guns, great product. That's Mossberg.com. Check them out, and you can buy them at almost all retail outlets. I'll have Mossberg guns. Put it to your shoulder. Take it for a test drive. You'll love it. Next, the product of the year. It is. It has changed my dog. Hemp Hill Farm, CBD. Lou will fail a drug test, but he is he is <laughs> he is pain and ache free. He calms down sooner in the morning. He's always had a little bit of an issue with whining. And I'm telling you what, after one or two retrieves, he's he's hitting his stride. And I also notice whenever he wakes up in the morning, he's not stiff and achy. I give him uh, the recommended dose of CBD before we go out every single morning. And I'm a fan. I really am. Uh, they've got roll-on, so that's just for pets. They have a they have a, a specific pet blend. Uh, they also have stuff for humans. They have gummies. They have roll-ons. They have salves. Phenomenal products. If you have the ouchies or something's you know got a little lingering issue, head over to Hemp Hill Farm Farm with a ph uh, dot com, and they also have a promo code. BHP saves you 20%, I believe. And 30% off your very first order today. If you sign up for the recovery relief rest, they get 30% off. I take two of the gummies every night. Well, I take about one to two. Sometimes I take one and a half, sometimes I take one or two. It knocks me out. I go to bed and I get about six to seven hours of solid rest and I wake up and I'm not and I'm not sluggish. It doesn't give you the after effects of like taking a Benadryl or a Tylenol PM. It's better for you and it's Hemp Hill Farm. That's H-E-M-P-H-I-L-L. P-H-A-R-M.com. Check it out. HempillFarm.com. Jeff's a fan. Next, we're brought to you by the Looking Glass Podcast. Head over to their Patreon. Logan and Rebel will be out here next month. They're great guys. Hilarious. All their episodes are two hours plus, so it's great for those long road trips. Uh, they're a lot of fun to listen to, and they're incredible guys. Really, really fun people to be around. Uh, just go to Patreon, type in the Looking Glass Podcast. It'll all pop up, and then you can... Uh, do what you need to do. Send over a little bit of money, and you'll be—you'll have their entire uh, library at your disposal. Yes, shingear.com. I wear the shin boots. I'm wearing the scout boots right now. I have wore them for three months straight, basically. I wear them every day. I wore them in Boston. I wear them in the airport. They're comfortable, just like wearing a set of Nikes, without all the politically correctness. At shingear.com. Also brought to you by MLR Graphics in Breckenridge, Texas. It's time for softball season is right around the corner. Believe it or not. Little League Baseball. 
If you need your kids to get the best jerseys and equipment you can have, MLR, MLR Graphics in Breckenridge, Texas, can take care of you. They do all of our shirts, hoodies, caps, everything here. They can take care of you. Off. You want to outfit your, your, your company, whatever you want to do, hats, T-shirts, caps, jackets, the whole thing, it's MLRGraphics.com. Also, we're brought to you by Alpha Outdoor Specialties, maker of the Stanfield Stool and the Blind Caddy. I, it has saved my back. The Stanfield Stool has uh, sitting it every single morning, and it is a dream. We run the Lucky Duck 2x4 blind, so we have four chairs per blind. They are extremely comfortable. So if you want to uh, kick it up a notch in your A-frame or just your regular blind, I suggest you head over to alphaoutdoorspecialties.com, look at the Stanfield Stool, and if you want to stay organized in the blind, get the Blind Caddy. Alpha Outdoor Specialties. Last but not least, we're brought to you by Stanfield Hunting Outfitters. Uh, we got a couple dates in January, but not very many. You better get on the horn right now. 940-658-3172. Jeff will answer the call. He'll uh, call you back if he doesn't answer. Send an email, goose at westtex.net. Get some dates. Nebraska. The last week in Nebraska's duck season. I've got some dates left. If you want to go shoot some birds on the Platte River, holler at me. And that's like I said, Andy said. That's stanfieldhunting.com or 940-658-3172, and I do answer my own phone. Thank you so much for being a part of this. It has been another record-setting couple of months. We couldn't do it without you. God bless you. Okay, this episode of the podcast, we are joined by Don Collier from SOK North. Uh had the opportunity to spend the weekend with Don at NWTF. He's a truly brilliant man. Uh, his knowledge of dogs is incredible, so... Uh, get him on here, pick his brain about everything. You know, it's off season now. So uh, it's time to start training your dog. Make sure they're in shape for the coming uh, hunting season. Whether you start September, October, or November, uh, it's time to start laying laying the groundwork. Here he is, Don Collier. Welcome to the Big Honker Podcast brought to you by Boss Shot Shells. I'm Jeff Stanfield with the world famous Andy Shaver. Turkey season's right around the corner. Go get Boss Tom. I shoot nines, in case you were wondering. The 20s or the 12s? Uh, well, I shoot 12s. Did you bring some back with you? I did not. Hmm. Sound like a rookie move on your part, there. Oh, well, I think we'll, we'll, we'll be in Tulsa. Oh, that's true. We will be. That'll be before turkey season. I got so. time. I got there you time. go. Come to the Bass Classic. Boss will be at the Bass Classic in Tulsa at the BOK Center. Come by and see me and Andy. Come by and see Maddie Robertson. Come by and see Dirk Sorrells. Hopefully, Maddie's still fishing. Oh, for Maddie's sake, he is too. He's like a rock star when he walks in that place. I mean, people are nuts. They're crazy. Fishing people are crazy. I'm telling you right now, I've never seen the groupies. I'm assuming fishing, NASCAR, and a strip club is about the same. <laughs> so, so anywhere between us. With us today from Michigan, from Southern Oaks Kennels North, Mr. Don Collier. Don, how are you doing? Hey, how's it going, guys? Just for the record, I did not fuck up the intro. You nailed it. Had you been to NWTF before, Don? That was my 
That was my first experience with NWTF, and it did not disappoint. Man, that was an awesome It was ridiculous. Show. Best I show in America. There. It was shoulder to shoulder for three days in a row. Yep. And they could have did a fourth day. Everywhere. There, there wasn't one workaround, one walk around. If you wanted to get somewhere, you just had to shoulder up and stick with the crowd. It was absolutely insane. The crazy part for me is... As I'd see people, Mags and Ray Ray, they come for three days. And there was a lot of people like Mags and Ray Ray. I can't imagine coming for three straight days to walk around and see the same stuff. And the people love it. I mean, absolutely ate up with it. And it's turned into as much of a waterfowl show as a turkey show, I think. Yeah. Man, I've seen everything. Waterfowl, turkey, deer, African safaris, you name it, it was there. Y'all had dogs there. And I was I was really, really impressed with the way that they just chilled. They just were there. And I mean, yeah. I don't know how many people... That was, That's the number you should be looking for. How many people touched the two dogs? Because it was a lot. And they never were phased. We were guessing. We were guessing. I mean, we, we had a ton of... Rep- return customers also so i feel like uh yeah those dogs definitely got their undercoat brushed out for <laughs> sure this weekend they got back at- and i mean if you if you think about it too chevy the, the young yellow male we had there that was his first experience at a show like that under two years old asked to sit on that place board pretty much all day with one restroom break somewhere in the middle and he just killed it so. i mean uh you know they got to get back to their kennel and like, what the hell is this all about? I had people lining up to see me, and now all of a sudden, I, you know, I'm yeah. meat here. Yeah, when you're running a kennel, you definitely know where, where you stand in the pecking order of, uh, you know, importance in a hurry. <laughs> they definitely got that way more than I was shaking hands, I can tell you yeah. that. Yeah, I, I got back home, or last day, I lost my voice because we went to Broadway the last night, and having to yell over everybody and just talking the whole, you know, for three days, you're talking yeah. to so many people and I'm finally starting to get it back a little bit now, but geez, it's a beating. It is. Uh, I mean, my, my feet and knees reminded me that I'm definitely closer to 50 than I am 30 at this point <laughs> in my life for sure. Oh, well- I went to get out of the truck to pump gas Sunday morning and it, that was a chore. Let me tell you <laughs> 10,000 steps every day. Think so. I, I looked at my pedometer, whatever oh, really? you call it. Yeah, and and I think we had that just from the the truck to the booth every day. Man, that mm-hmm. walk there was insane. The place is huge. Yeah, we had gotten um, for everybody that's listening. We were at Gaylord Opryland, and we went. Michelle got dropped off by Uber, and they took her to the wrong. They took her to the Magnolia entrance, which I didn't even know they had a Magnolia entrance. There's a whole side of that whole building that's as big as what we were in that we didn't even see. It's just crazy how big a property that is. Yeah. I don't know. And well-managed. I'd hate to pay their lot bill. So you told me something at NWTF that absolutely just blew my mind, and I'm still wrapping my head around it. You said that dogs, the way they tell time is by the amount and how strong the scent is of owner or whatever, and that's how they tell time through the day. Yeah, correct. I read an article from some university. I forget who published it because it had actually been probably a year ago. But it basically stated like when you get up, certain things happen in the morning and everybody leaves the house, that level of scent stays in the house. And then as the day wears on, that level of scent dissipates. 
as it dissipates throughout the day, certain events happen on a schedule. So when the dog anticipates the mailman being there, it's because the scent levels in the house are a trigger that, hey, this event's about to happen. Same way with you getting home from work, they get a little antsy before you get home. You know, the scent levels in the house are where they should be for that event to occur. That's just, that's freaking so, crazy how, I yeah. mean, son of a bitch. Dogs are smart. They are, but like they're routinized. Like their their whole day is, yeah. is, you know, we don't think about it. We think that they just lay around and, you know, do whatever, but they, they, they stick to a schedule and they're used to a schedule. Yeah, for sure. So yep. do you, and then go ahead, Don, I'm sorry. And then we just don't give them enough credit for, you know, how well everything works. I mean, we, we would never schedule our day based on the odor in the air, maybe time to leave a room at some point because of the odor. But, but at the end of the day, you know, that's not, we're not waking up scheduling our day off of what our noses are telling us. Yeah. Well, I was telling Dirk about it and he's like, you know, basically the nose to a dog is as powerful as all of our senses, you know, combined. Like it it is our sight. It is our hearing. It is our, it's everything kind of combined is how important their nose is to them. I would, I would, I would agree with that. Um, so what, you know, it's the off season now. What do guys need to do? I mean, to, to, let's say this was their, their dog's first waterfowl season. What do they need to do to ensure that they don't backslide and are starting all the way over come September, October, November, whenever they get started. So we always have this conversation early on at the kennel with a ton of owners and it's always a fact that dogs come out of hunting season looser than they went into it because hunting isn't training and we don't take the time to correct in the field while we're hunting as we would in training because we're worried about the next valley, the next flock, you know, getting out of there and picking a hot breakfast up maybe sooner than later. So things slide, things get a little sloppy. With that being said, it's always important to sit down and evaluate where you ended the season, what issues you had, what things you want to improve on. Just like anything else in life, make a plan and attack it. Um, For us, it's always shoring up obedience, shoring up steadiness. Uh, With the finished dogs, we're doing more poison bird stuff. So stay away from that one. Go get the runner. Uh, You know, we're really just kind of working on that next level work after we come out of a hunting season. Yeah. You know, and, and it's, it's, it's so important that guys, they, uh, take the time to, to assess where they ended the season, you know, cause you know, just think about, think, think where it went wrong. Think about where things went off the track and, you know, set your dog up for success. That's the biggest thing I see out here is guys don't do a good job of setting their dog up for success. I would agree with that 100%. 100%. We always start our owner speech when the dogs go home that make sure the first few hunts are very controlled on your part. Always tie the dog up. Even though they've been steady through training throughout the summer, hunting's not training. We can't replicate that environment. We can't replicate mallards landing in the decoys geese spinning all the way to the ground we we can't replicate that stuff and on top of that the dogs are going to feed off your level of excitement so that's an added factor as well to you know maybe give them the catalyst they need to go a little bit early so always tie them up always make sure they're steady 
always make sure they don't get the reward of the retrieve until you send them on it. And, you know, everything else, make it a positive experience. Uh, the big decoy spreads or whatever it is, there's a lot in that environment that may not have been exposed during training or at any other time in their life. So you have to know where to cut them some slack and when to actually issue a correction for sure. So you were telling me uh, the first couple of hunts, you don't want your dogs to retrieve every bird. And what percentage no. do you want them to, to start picking up on their first like three or four so on their first hunt, we want them to pick up the birds that we know they're going to be successful in getting. Uh, we want we want very small bites at that point in time. You know, that first hunt, everything else is so much more important than, you know, running that 200-yard blind or chasing a cripple that they've never experienced before. So we like to keep everything well within their wheelhouse the first couple of hunts until they have the marking down, until they understand that these live birds are coming in and they start to scan the skies on their own, they're picking stuff up. Once they get in with the ebb and flow of how the hunts progress and how things go and their comfort level with being in that situation improves, then you can start testing them a little bit. But what you don't want to do is you don't want to put them into a situation to where they're nervous, they don't really understand what's going on and now you've got them out of pocket above their pay grade and you're frustrated they're possibly failing at the retrieve and things can just kind of snowball from there so so for your sake and the dog's sake we always say keep everything very well within their limits the first few hunts. guys have to hate hearing that you know what I mean? Like they've got this dog. Yeah. It's been it's been at the trainer for so long, and then they're like, "Fuck, I don't even get to play with it the first hunt." Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I mean, you know, it's the same point. Like it's a ten-year right. commitment. You don't want to break it the day you take it out of the box. <laughs> That's exactly right. Very good point. I always, uh, you know, we get clients out here with their dogs, and I just. I don't, I don't really know how to handle that situation when it's not going well because, you know, guys are very attached to their dog and their way is, Absolutely. you know, Fido never makes a mistake in their eyes, but I have a more laxed approach with my dog if he's hunting and kind of in the, because there's a lot of times I don't know where the bird is if I send it on a long retrieve. So I'm relying on my dog to use his nose, use his faculties I'm going to get you close and I'm going to try to get you downwind. That's my goal. The rest is up to you. But when guys just hammer on the whistle and they're hammering on their dog to sit and, you know, do all these things, you can see the confidence level of that dog that's out there just plummeting. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, most dogs too in training, like, after a certain amount of correction, they know they're going to be called back and you're going to start the whole process over. Um, in, in a hunting scenario, when you're hitting them with, you know, an overabundance of whistles, quick corrections, they're not changing direction. Um, I mean, it, it does, it adds up to confusion because that's not typically how a training session goes. And even us, I mean, we know how well their noses are. We'll just make sure we get them downwind to where we've seen the bird last. Make sure we get them out deep enough to, to run into the scent cone and, and let their nose take them to where the bird's at. Typically, what we see happen nine times out of ten 
is you just haven't pushed the dog back mm-hmm. far enough. You get them close and where you think you're close. In reality, they may be another 50 yards shy of where the bird actually fell. So, you know, we always try to get them out as far as we can get them. If the wind's in their face, they're going to smell it and just let, let the natural ability at that point take over. When will you so, introduce live birds to like new recruits, to new pups or dogs, I guess? So for us, the way we do it now, uh, we won't do any live birds or real birds at all until they've been through hold conditioning. After they've been through hold conditioning, they're delivered to hand properly. Um, we've got them through what I like to say, uh, you know, the intro work of picking up marks off of all the equipment that we use. Uh, then we've done intro to the gun. Once intro to guns over and we're mimicking a hunting scenario with dummies, then we'll, well, then we'll do live bird intro. And for us, live bird intros, literally we're throwing a mallard up in the air with the flight feathers pulled it's hitting the ground running the dogs chasing it that predator drive instinct is engaged they're bringing the bird back you know multiple times they're love doing it then we'll go to a shot flyer at that point in time that was where you came in wasn't it jeff you were the uh, shooter uh, no i well i did shoot a bunch but i was also the guy that could throw the ball along to, uh, the ball throw the bird along the way I could throw a dead duck or a dead pheasant as far as anyone can. <laughs> we worked at a field trial one time, and I there was a guy that's a professional trainer, and he was a real dick. And none of the other guys on the field trial circuit really cared much for him. And he'd broken off and taken a, from a guy he worked for and took a bunch of dogs with him. And, you know, the drama and shit, it's everywhere. It has It's not like it's new drama. Anyways, <clears throat> he was not in our camp. So I no-birded him like three times in a row in a field trial. I mean, I like threw just the bird dig. just to be a, I, I was 16 years old and I thought it was funny. All the guys thought it was funny. One guy even gave me some money, but <laughs> I mean, like we were, I was supposed to throw a bird like 20 yards and I was sailing at like 40 or 50 yards, went over a Creek and down in below it. And they'd no bird him. He'd get back up there again. I'd do it again. And then the third time I do it, it slipped and it only went like a foot in front of us. And it was behind a, a, a blind type deal. And it was just a jacked up deal. And, and I did it. I think I've no birded him three or four times in it. Did he know you did it on purpose? No, he just called me a few names. He thought I was just not very smart. <laughs> <laughs> but I knew exact. I knew exactly uh, what I was doing. We can see Jeff doing that. But. And we, we host a super retriever series event up here every year in July. And, uh, Man, those bird boys take a beating because not only does it have to land in the right spot, it's got to come in at the right arc and at the right time. And you better make sure it doesn't bounce like more than two or three times when it hits the ground or, you know, it's a big deal. I, I get though. So it's definitely. I've never been to that. Are they, are they sure. shooting it out of the air? No, 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 no. You, you have live flyers also, but then you just throw dead birds. They bring you a sack, like a gunny sack full of dead freaking yeah. pheasants or ducks. First day, it's not so bad. But boy, they get awful right by Sunday. And it's a it's it's a thankless job. But back then, it was in, in the early 80s, and I would get, if I worked a weekend, I'd get $100 in cash on Friday. They'd buy your lunch and give you $100, put you up in a hotel room. We had a good right. time. It was the same same kids that were all dads, all did field trials and stuff that did it at about every place. Could you throw for your dad? I you could throw for everybody. I mean, you're yeah. not you not if you're not. I really didn't give two shits other than this one guy being an asshole. I didn't. It was actually pretty damn boring. Yeah, 
I mean, you sit out there, you go to a big field trial, a big open, and and you're talking about throwing 75 or 100. They might have 100 dogs entered back in the day. Is it still like that nowadays? So for the Super Retriever Series, when we do that, it's full days. It's three full days. Yes. I mean, they're they're be, they're out in elements. If it's raining, if the sun's beating down, they're out in elements. Uh, yeah, reloading that bucket and throwing it's, birds. That's an all-day thing. A, we actually uh, donate money to one of the local schools' uh, baseball programs, so we have the baseball kids out throwing birds for. And guys us, will so. get on their ass if it's not the good. right arc and oh, yeah. all that. Really? Oh yeah, yeah. They're high school kids. They want they want the same test yeah. for there everybody. They want it landing on the spot. There ain't a bigger <laughs> asshole in the world than a guy who judges field trial opens. Judges. No, yeah, because most of them are guys that don't don't run dogs, but they're an expert on everything. It's kind of like a banker, and a banker goes broke doing something else, and he becomes a banker, and he's an expert on everybody else's business. Money. You see that all the time, too. But, yeah, usually the most guys, not all, most guys that judge field trials are guys that are either washed out guides or, or trainers or guys that have never been more than successful other than training, I mean, judging. Am I correct on that still? Man, I, I have zero experience in the American field trial world. Absolutely none. Don's booting that question. Good. No, I, I don't. I've never. I've, I've been to maybe two my entire life. We've never ran dogs in them. Uh, but but at the end of the day, I know the Super Retriever Series event. There's a marshal, and the marshal makes sure like it, it's not to that extreme. They want to see what they want to see. They want to make sure that it's meaty for the dogs. And more importantly, they want to make sure that every dog that comes to the line is seeing the exact yeah, same I think it's pretty much both series are that way. I didn't ever do I went to the, I went to, I was at, in the first hunting test. I actually ran a dog in the very first hunting test ever. But the field trial series before they had the hunting test you'd go to. And an open event, the first opening deal would take all day Friday to run one series. Mm. Because there was that many dogs and it was that complex. I mean, you might have three tri a triple with a blind retrieve. It might, each dog running might take 15 minutes. So what do you do with your dogs? Like you said, it's in July. Like you just keep them put up until it's their time, to, like with heat. They go. Absolutely. But what I've learned is when we're in July and we're complaining of the heat, when these guys are coming up from Missouri and Georgia, they're, they're absolutely loving it. Their dogs aren't even breaking a sweat because where they came from is much worse than what we are in July. So, yeah. so that's definitely a, a home court disadvantage that time of year. They don't run, sure. they run field trials like in Texas. They're running field trials probably fixing to be right now. Usually over spring break was our field trial in Wichita Falls. So Texas used to be Amarillo, Wichita Falls, and North Texas, which was Dallas, had their trial. And then I think maybe Houston or San Antonio. And then as this, in Oklahoma City, but it would, they would go north. Right. And as summer get here, you're going to South Dakota, North Dakota, Minnesota, Wisconsin. You go to the northern states that and the mountains. Sense. So <clears throat> as things start to heat up, like Jeff was saying earlier, we got, it's going to be 85 here today. What's the what's the threshold as far as training dogs for in your mind as far as getting too hot? Because in Texas, we're gonna get to May, and it's nothing to see triple digits here for starting in May. So what we've noticed locally is you have to manage your time, and when you have temperature variance more than ten degrees, it really affects them that day. 
Now they'll get acclimated rather quickly, but anytime you see a dr dramatic increase or decrease in temperature, that the dogs feel it for sure, and you definitely have to be careful. Um, just limit time, go out, be very specific on what you want to do, and uh, don't spend too much time on any one dog. That's you can sure. have a hell of a training session in 15 minutes. Yeah, if it's set up correctly. But guys, sure. you know, you know, you see this in anything in life, and especially probably in America, we've got this, you know, two's great, four's even better. So, and you see it yep. in kid baseball, you see it in sports, you see it, it's all over the place right now. Two's great, four's better. But you can have a hell of a dog training session in just 15, 20 minutes. Just get in there, have a plan, and yeah. just go. Get it done. Absolutely. You have to have a plan. And that's something uh, we feel like a lot of our clients struggle with too, setting up a plan for the day and then really deciding what is it that I want to work on and accomplish today. In, in regards to working on that thing I want to accomplish today, is there something else that I can let slide or, you know, you don't want to pick a battle that's going to take away from what it was you're actually trying to get through today. If you're doing poison birds and they get past the poison bird and they don't get to the blind stake as clean as you would like, maybe let that slide because your objective for the day was to get past the poison bird. So there, there's just certain things that, you know, you want to make sure that you're actually sticking to your plan and you're not picking a fight where you don't need to for that. So day. how does the poison bird work? How, how does walk through this uh, training scenario? How would you set it up? So, in a young dog, what we would typically do first for introduction is we would have a pile with a white stake that we're running, you know, the lining drill to. You're going to the pile, you're going to the pile. And we're going to throw a mark 15 yards off the line. And then if they move toward the suction, which is the bird you just threw, we're going to handle them back toward the white stake. So if they get past the bird and to the white stake, you know, we're not going to hammer them too bad if they take a wrong cast or something. We're not going to pick a fight trying to finish that blind out because we were trying to get past the poison bird, and we did that. So as long as they get to the stake, pick the bird, and come back, you know, that's a success for the day. And then you're going to go over the line and a little bit closer to the line. There's just a lot of things you can do to make sure that they understand that it's a poison. So bird. the stake is where you want them to go every time that that's the bird. Correct. Correct. So you're going to throw the mark out. You're going to know them off the mark and then run the right. blind. Right. So that's yep. the poison bird. And when do you, when do you, when do you introduce that to them? Uh, so for us, it literally depends on the dog, but we could see some of that usually about the second round of training. So here they're not going to see it until after, after five or six months for yeah. sure now what about dogs living in the house this is this is kind of uh you know you got your dogs that do this professionally what do, what do you like to see do you like to see a, a civilized dog that's getting all sorts of loving in the house or how do you want this um i think that works as long as they're getting exposed to being outside on a daily basis it's just like anything else you can live in the house and you know as long as you're putting your work in outdoors you're going to be fine but if they've been on the couch 
more than they've been, you know, acclimated to the weather, weather and doing stuff outside, then that's when it becomes an issue. And what is far, what is far like, so, you know, kids jumping on them and all that other, other sort of thing, not a problem. And so for us, they're smart enough to differentiate between mm-hmm. the two. They know when they're in the house and they know when we're out working. I mean, they pick that up rather well. What the biggest problem I see is, is when commands are giving at, given at the house that aren't enforced. Mm-hmm. So at a certain point, no becomes useless if it's not, never followed up with correction. So if you're telling your dog to sit five times before it actually sits, then the dog gets programmed to know that you didn't really mean it the first time you said it. So those are the types of things that become bigger problems for us is just the lack of obedience, correction, and, uh, you know, words just have no meaning at a certain point when they're so not So basically enforced. like your kid. Yeah, absolutely. Like don't say it if you don't mean it. Or don't say it if you're not going to follow through. Exactly. Exactly. It, it's, a, it's such a commitment getting a dog. I mean, you know, and I think... A, how many people realize the amount of dedication it's going to take to have a good dog or have a dog period? I feel like we're very fortunate in the fact that a really high percentage of our clients understand the commitment and they're bought in and they're doing what they need to do. And I feel like they realize very early on if they're a dog person or not. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's cut and dry right up front. You know, if you're a dog person or not, if you're hunting and I mean, I don't know how many clients we have that have taken their dog out for the first hunt and they get to the point to where they're like, I don't even really care if I pull the trigger anymore as long as I can work yeah. my dog. I feel like that's a vast majority yeah. of them. I took my, uh, my five-year-old out hunting. Uh, it was just him and I, my oldest son had the flu, so he stayed back, but it was just my five-year-old, the dog, it was the last day of duck season. We didn't have any clients. We were done that morning. So went out that afternoon and, um, watching my youngest son watch the dog was just, it was the best part of the day. Cause this was his kind of first experience. It definitely was his first experience with just me out there. Big brothers always come along, but, um, Watching his eyes light up because to him, our dog, you know, he's just kind of, uh, doesn't contribute much, you know, in the overall arching, uh, in the, in the dynamic of the house, he just kind of lays around and eats twice a day and he'll steal food if, if it's available. But to see my son see Lou in his element, it was, it was the best part of the day. Yeah, you can kind of see the light come on to why right. the dog's yep. actually yep. there. Yeah, he's not just somebody that yep. hits me with his tail when I walk by. Yeah, absolutely. And he was, you know, he was, yep. he was, he was fascinated at because uh, a lot of times in the house, Lou will, you know, he's he's hitting them with their tail and like he couldn't even call Lou over there. Like Lou was in his element. He was locked in. This is what he does. He's scanning the sky for birds. He's sitting down and like focused. And Jameson was kind of like, why the, you know, why can't I, why can't I pet him out here? You know, most of the time he's all over me if I call his name. Yeah. So. And again, too, I mean, I think that that goes back to that on off switch that everybody always talks about when it comes to dogs. And when you get them in their environment and you see them locked in and in tune like that, that whole 
statement kind of makes sense at that point. What's the oldest dog that you've seen that does it majority of the time, five, six days a week? Oh, as far as training or hunting? Uh, we have them out there that are doing it very well at seven, eight years old. Lou's 11. My dog's 11. So this is what I'm getting at. Like how, how, how much longer on average do you think I have? You're way over average already. I I think you're (laughs) over average. Yeah. You're on, you're definitely should enjoy the time that you have. That's for sure. Because. When it happens, I mean, it happens. You you, you just notice. You're like, okay, we well, can't. Andy do this thought he died tomorrow. two years ago. Yeah, I thought he had a heart attack. Andy called me and he goes, "Where are you at? I need you here now." And I'm like, "Oh shit," you know, because I'm scouting and I wasn't very far away. I was watching him hunt, and I go, "I go, I, I'm on my way. What's going on? I'm thinking someone got shot. Someone's died. I didn't know what was going on." And he's like, "I think Lou's dying on me." I was like, "Shit!" And so me and this guy that's with me, we go driving up. And I can see Lou running around. I thought, "What the hell?" And then Andy goes, he was, what'd he do? He just locked down. And so piecing this back together, you know, it happens so fast that you're, you're kind of like, oh shit, like he's dead. <clears throat> Looking back yep. and just kind of, so I, when it happened, Jeff came out, we got Lou, took him home. He ate, drank, everything was fine. But um, there was a little dip about three or four yards outside of the blind and he had a wing over his eye. So he couldn't see where the blind was. So he went to that dip. And what I think happened was he didn't see the step and he, he basically, I think he knocked himself out. Yep. Knocked himself yep. out. Cause when I yeah. got to him, his eyes were rolled into the back of his head. He was breathing like really, really heavy. I could see his chest like going up and down. Yep. So looking back, I think he, he misjudged that step and just KO'd himself. Yep. I would, but I, would I thought he was having a heart attack because sure. I didn't see him fall. I just saw him yeah. run past. Yeah. You just see the result, I just saw, right? You don't see the activity. That's exactly the, the right. Outcome. I just saw him walk, run past me. And I'm like, well, this dickhead, like now I got to get it. Cause most of the time I don't even get out of the blind. Like if it's something that happens, I just, yeah. st- I just stay on my chair and he'll heal up and I just send him from there. So it's like, shit, now I got to get up and call him back. Cause I, I knew the wing was over his eye, but I thought he would hear me. And, uh, look up and he's just laid out bird <laughs> birds right in front of him and i'm like oh this is it this is how he's gonna go which would be a way he'd want to go probably yeah. not for you though yeah i don't know <clears throat> i i really just hope he i hope in my mind i definitely don't want to put him down i don't want to have to go through all that having the family tell him goodbye and, and all that would just it's gonna be tough so i hope that we wake up one morning and he's curled up in his bed and that's that's the end of it then we can get him mounted and yeah. put in a lodge. Right. Do, do, have you ever seen a dog mounted? I have. I'm you not. have? Yes. I don't know that I'd like that. What if the taxidermist did a shitty job on it? Like his hair starts falling out and I've his eyes a, are not where they need to be. I've seen a couple of them and it was, it was kind of, it's kind of a weird deal. That's the thing is, <clears> is that. We'd come in, hey, Lou, every day we'd walk into the office, and he'd be mounted right there with a the duck in his mouth or a goose. No, I'd have him hiked up taking a piss on something. <laughs> that would even be better. But the problem is, is like you said, 20, 25 years, Lou's eye just fell out. Yeah, right. <laughs> you don't want to. I think what you ought to do is get him cremated and put in a decoy. I think that's what I'm going to do. But he, uh, 
He said a hell of a job, but I'm telling you, I was so confused because I was at the point, I call him my black grandson. So I was thinking, oh God, my black grandson is dead. And then I see him running around out there. And I'm like, what? And he just said he's dying. He don't look very damn sick to me. Mm-mm. No. So, um. Yeah, I th- so I lost his collar this year and that really kind of broke my heart. It was a collar he's had since he was one. And he got caught yep. in some barbed wire on a on a retrieve about not it, it doesn't matter it was a couple hundred yards out but anyway he got caught on some barbed wire and he came back he didn't have his collar well it had his first bands that were on i had the guy that made it well mags is the one that made it he wove his uh first couple of bands into it and so when he died i was gonna have it put in the podcast room and now i lost it so a little bit bo- yeah a little bit that's, bummed that's about that so i'll have to get him another collar and maybe it'll have some sort of sentimental value to it. I don't know. It sucked though. I for two days, I looked for that fucking collar and never could find it. I bet we walked. I don't know how far we walked. We had the entire guide staff out here looking for it. Everybody was bummed. And it rained a bunch and thought, well, we'll be able to see it now. And no. Then the farmer worked the field, so there's no telling where it is now. I'm hoping one day we yeah. hunt there a lot and we also dove hunt there that someone says, "Hey, I found this collar out here." Yeah, that would be a hell of a deal. But that sucks because you want you want all those little things, you know. It's just a collar to a lot of people, but to me, yeah. it's his outfit. It was his uniform. Yeah, for it sure. sucks. Um, so puppies. Let's let's switch gears to puppies. Let's say uh, somebody's bringing their puppy home. It's eight, eight weeks old, whatever. Do you want them starting immediately? And how many days a week are you wanting them to do something with their dog? At that age, I want them socialized. A lot of different places, a lot of different people, a lot of different situations. I just want them to have a very good base of comfortability with everything that goes on. So take them to baseball games, take them to Um, the hockey. Yeah. Baseball games, the store, hockey games for walks. I mean, all of it. Anything you can expose them to. And how are you wanting them to act during these encounters? Um, I mean, basic obedience as far as here, he'll sit, all that fun stuff for sure. But I don't want them over obedience at the same time. I don't want the puppy so tired of obedience that it's literally going through the motions. And it's like, what the hell? We got to do this again. This is super boring. Um, I, I agree that it's my feeling that they have to love working and if obedience becomes something that they hate doing you're doing it wrong you have to keep everything short everything upbeat eye contact with the dog focus on you focused on what your commands are and very very short sessions when we do an obedience session we feed them uh half their daily allowance of food in that training session for treat training. So sit, here's some kibble, here, here's some kibble. So once that half of their daily allowance of food is gone, the obedience training session's over. Um, so it's really short, simple, and to the point. And then let them be a puppy. You know, we can take care of all the other stuff when they get here at six, seven months of age. I would rather have one in that was very bold and confident and lacked a little bit in the basic obedience 
than to have one that just, you know, literally has the life stomped out of it because you're over obedience, too many rules, no fun. Now we got to put some life back into that dog to even get him excited to retrieve. So, you know, you're working from behind yeah. a little bit at that point. Yeah. Uh, Jeff's dad always said it's, it's way easier to rein them in than it is to have to cast them out. It, it is, man. That That's the truth. It's always easier to rein them in than it is to build them back so what up. Do you, so, like, let's say you take your, your, your puppy to a baseball game, Little League game. I mean, keep it on a leash, obviously, so it's not running around, but... Um, yep. When people come up to it, is there a set limit? Uh, like, how do you how do you manage that? Because now you're going to get all the kids in the baseball park and all the moms, and they're coming up to your puppy. So, I, I mean, is this kind of a um, I don't want to say a no rule situation as far as sit, heal, all that good stuff. But how do you how do you kind of navigate? He's got all these distractions now. So. On leash, we, we just literally, we'll give them the time to be the puppy and then they're going to settle down. It's going to, you know, like you can't let them not be a puppy at that point. You have to let them be a puppy. And if you have to take yourself away from the stimulation for a little bit with the dog, that's probably the best thing to do. Um, we have one client who umpires uh, girls softball games. His dog sits behind the fence on the mow marsh, just like they were at the show the whole time. Uh, he's, you know, pumping the game on the field. So you can build them up to all that stuff, but you have to start somewhere and it has to be small. It has to be manageable and it just has to, you know, work for you and the dog at that point. So how time. do you build them up? Cause your dog sat there the length of the show. I mean, you guys were basically there from opening to closing yeah. and it was nine to six, I think on one day. So how, the, the way we train, that's, that's how we train. Once they are through basic obedience, we build that tolerance up on a daily basis. As we're bringing groups of four or five dogs out to train at a time, they're all going on the place boards. They're all coming off the boards or the stands when we call them. And then the other ones are expected to watch that dog work. We'll put that dog up, bring the next one off. Sometimes they're tethered to the the stand with the leash, if we think they're going to come off, uh, sometimes they're tied up, but you know, eventually by the time they're done with the first initial five, six months of training, they're, they're able to sit there and watch the four or five dogs work that are working. Cedar never left. Cedar was like, this is where I am. No. Yeah. Yep. He's been through it enough. And if you notice too, like most of ours, are typical of cedar they know when it's their turn to work and they'll sit on the stand and just completely disengage until it's their time to work like at the world shut off around them they're enjoying the sun or the breeze or whatever it is cedar at that was very time. unimpressed with the whole situation he's like listen Peter knows he's done it enough. He knew what the score was. He's like the more pathetic I look, the right? more people are gonna. Pet yeah, me. yeah. It's let Chevy it. jump around. You know, let him sit up and try to get that yeah. first wave. But he's like, they'll come to me. Yeah, that that's what he was doing too. And I mean, he was definitely using hands for a pillow. And yeah, he was he was. What impressed me was sure. the people that would come up and ask if they could pet the dog, yeah. as opposed especially the women that will just come up and get right in a dog's face. Cause they'll do the same thing to a service dog or an, yep. an airport security dog. And you can't do that to them dogs. Yep. 
No, you're not supposed to for sure. Yeah. Pain Payne flew home at Christmas time and he said there was two service dogs on his plane and he said they both were with soldiers. So he said these were probably combat dogs and they crawled under their seat and Payne yeah. said the, uh, the guy didn't have a muzzle on him in the airport and kids were playing with him and stuff and Payne said these are the kind of dogs probably eat somebody's arm off if they weren't. But when he got on the plane, he put a muzzle on him on the plane. I guess the people, that was part of flying. But easy going dogs, but most yeah. of those dogs, they don't want you to pet. So I always thought that was really nice when people would ask if they could pet. And those dogs did eat up the petting boy. God almighty. Yeah. Did you hear um what was it's not Khalid Sheikh Mohammed. We caught him, right? Who? Khalid Sheikh Mohammed. Oh, one of them, okay. Anyway, there's a yeah, a terrorist. But anyway, if you listen to one of Trump's uh press conferences, he said, I heard him I heard this guy how much of a coward he was. So I guess this guy went into a tunnel with like a kid or whatever and you know, had them all strapped up so the the guys did they just sent their dogs in there oh good for them they tore him apart good for them like and that is not that there's a lot of ways that i'd probably be okay with dying i don't want to get stabbed i don't want to die in a fire like you know smoke inhalation knock me out but just like burning alive sounds terrible but getting ripped apart by a a land shark it's good for them goat-eating carpet nailers we need a little more of that's that. got to be one of the worst ways to die mm. and i don't know how many mm-hmm. dogs it took to probably rip them apart probably not many but ferocious animals you you realize a lot of people in the wild west disappeared by hogs they no. a, oh yes bullshit that's what they would do in these little towns oh oh they, they would have like a feed trough where they'd have the pigs and when right. they get rid of a body they just throw the body over in the pig trough and be the next morning be nothing left right just woof, woof. Mm. I uh, I heard somewhere that uh, you know a lot of people surrender to law enforcement officers with the sound of the eight seventy pump mm-hmm. shotgun rack, and and I would have to think we're going to send the dogs would probably be yes. about number two. Mm, yeah, God Almighty, I just could yeah. not. I saw a video a couple of years ago. The guy got a a dog got his leg mm, and, and he let go and wouldn't let go, and just you could just see it ripping the muscles off of him. I'm like, God Almighty. But what's bad is that dog probably got retired after that for not Yeah, listening. they had to put a dowel in his mouth to get him off the guy's leg. Oh, really? To pull it back off. Yeah, they had to put a dowel up under it. Mm. We've seen, uh, we were at one of the Southern Oak Kennel summits a few years back, and uh, our friend Brady Foster had uh, his Malinois uh, Andor there, and they let Barton put the bite <laughs> suit on, and... I'm telling you what, when Andor came out with Brady and seen Barton in the bite suit, the dog changed. He was like our labs. He was on the place board all day. Kids were petting him. Everybody was saying hi. As soon as he seen Barton in the bite suit, he changed for sure. And he took Barton out of the chair he was sitting in by the thigh and... I I think he had those bruises for probably three weeks. Through the bite the bite suit? Yeah. Oh, shit, you had me until yeah. I heard about bruises. And, shit, yeah. and I am here to tell you, he did not like it Barton at all. Barton didn't? At all. Immediately, he was <laughs> saying, yeah, that's enough. Let's get the dog. I want, I want to do that. If, uh, <clears throat> if, we, if we do the boss series again of On the Road, that's what I want an episode to be. I want it to be Jeff and I running from these Belgian Malinois. Well, Jeff would you know, probably. Whoa, 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 whoa. hold on. You, you guys aren't getting no? far. Like, yeah, you might as well just. Why, why do you, why do you want it to be far. about me? You're no. the young one. 
Both of us. Eh, ain't no you fun. You can sit in a chair like Barton did because Barton was just sitting in a chair, you said? Yeah. Who? Yeah. There you go. Yep. Sitting in a lawn chair. He did it standing up, took one in the arm and the leg, and he didn't. I, I, I thought I would like to do that at some point in time. So, but I so there we go. I'll run and good. you sit in the chair. And they'll let the dogs have at us. I think the best part would be for you to run and me to sit and watch with everyone else and snicker. No, you'll sit. How far do you think you could make it? How far of a head start do I get? Uh, we give you 50 yards. I bet you wouldn't make it to the 100-yard mark. On a football say, field at the 50-yard line, you're not making it to the 100. I was going to say 75 yards. The best thing you could do if it's just one dog would be to turn around and hopefully you could grab it and flip it over real quick. No. Get on top of it. I don't want to do that. <laughs> I, would be, I would be game. I think I could make it 25 yards. Boy, it'd be a long crushing defeat when he hits you. Because you probably can't run very well in those suits, can no. you? <laughs> I wouldn't think so, no. What do you do, like, in this situation, like, do you just hold an arm out and pray to God that's what he goes after when you're running? Yeah. That, that's They're trained the to grab that. your legs and your arms, right? They're not supposed to go for the throat. And, and it will take you off your feet. I mean, if you're running, you're going to go face first. They will take you off. I do. There's no way in I, I would you. want to do that shit. There's a guy that uh, hunts with us. That's his job. So in my mind, all I'm thinking is, is you know what would be worse than getting bit by one of those dogs? Getting bit by one of those dogs after I was tired <laughs> right. from running yeah. 40 yards. Yeah. Like that's we, how uh, we die tired. <laughs> we, we have a guy that hunts with yeah. us that worked for one of the big police departments somewhere. And that was part of his job was he was the dog dummy. Basically. Really? Yeah. Every day, he, hit he by done that shit all the time. When the, whatever dogs they worked with, it just does not sound like a fun, fun, fun deal. And um, I'll tell you what, those big old German shepherds. We had a guy on our podcast that. Uh, do you remember the guy from Wild, Idaho no, or was, somewhere? It was Belgium Malinois. Is that, is that what they were? And those dogs were selling for fifty to hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, the there's guard. a lot of money in security dogs for like your house. Yeah. I thought they were German yep. shepherds though. They were the mm -hmm. bigger dogs, yeah. weren't they? They were the land sharks. Well, I can tell you what, we used to have a German Shepherd. I play with my Labradoodle, and I've had lots of labs, and I'll let him chew on my arm a little bit and stuff. We had a German Shepherd, and there ain't no way in hell I would have played that game with her. Mm -mm. And she was a sweet dog, but I just don't want to accidentally get bit by one of them suckers. Trigger something inside oh, of her? Oh, Jesus, yeah. She'd be de speaking die Deutsche on me or something. I, hell no, I didn't want no part of that. How much, <clears throat> since Jeff brought up, how much of that rough-and-tumble play can you have with your new dog old dog it, again like i say i feel like they can differentiate right. between the two there's a time for that and there's a time for work and as long as you're not overlapping the two i think so when your business be business but when you're jacking around with them just yeah. have fun with them yeah we have fun with them at the end of every training session when they know they're done and we throw a fun bumper for them and we're walking back up to the kennel. We're, you know, we're engaging the dog. We're, we're, we're having fun with them. I mean, that happens on a daily basis. So, you know, they know when it's time to play. They're fascinating animals. And I don't know, like, yeah. So we talked a little bit about the history of the Labrador retriever. Like how, how did humans figure out, okay, this, this dog is perfect. For when I shoot something, it'll go and pick it up for me. Yeah, I have no idea. No idea at all. And if you look at just all the dog breeds in general that we have that work, it's amazing that they're all able to do what they do. I mean, 
As an example, we've sold puppies out of our litters for, we, we have some of them in Alaska that are doing avalanche search and rescue that are literally riding on the shoulders of the guy on the skis until they get to the avalanche site and they're turning them loose and they're looking for humans. Um, we've sold them to people who are using them in hotels in the bigger cities oh, wow. for bed bug detection. Uh, yeah, so instead of fumigating the entire hotel, they only treat the rooms that the dogs sit on. So it saves the money by having the dog tell them, you know, hey, there's bed bugs here. Uh, cadaver dogs, explosive detection, narcotics detection. I mean, these dogs are capable of doing a lot yeah. of really. I cool think the stuff. lab is probably the most well-rounded dog that that. I think it's the most well-rounded breed that's out there. It's definitely a versatile breed, and it's one of the more popular breeds. So, you know, I'd have to think their exposure to all that stuff is pretty yeah, high I, as well. Labs are the. They're the best-selling dog on the market right now, aren't they? Or in America? I think so. I know in the past they have been. Yeah, I think yeah. this year. Yep. And if you look at what we, if you look at what we do with them in the hunting industry, like, you know, we're a subset of a mm-hmm. subset of a subset. So we're one really small portion of the entire yeah. breed for um, sure. And then you start looking at the field trial dogs and the hunt test dogs. I mean, we're we're a really small portion of the. Lab I was watching breed. a video not too long ago, and the dog was trained. It was a, um, oh, a diabetic uh, detection dog. Diabetic alert dog. Yep, we've that had some of those. That was crazy because well. mom and dad they're just sitting there watching TV, and the dog comes up and gives whatever the the sign is that because it was a little girl, probably eight or nine. Yeah, and uh, run upstairs, and sure enough. Low blood sugar, high blood sugar. I can't remember what it was, but yep. the dog was spot on. When when did you notice the big, big, big rush to get the doodle dogs? Because it's relatively a new thing in the last five years or so because they are so popular right now. Yeah, I would say for me, even hearing the term doodles probably been within the last really? five years. Um, I don't really pay attention to a lot of the noise outside of what we do, but, you know, we're always asked the question and I, I would say definitely within the last five years, for sure, it's become more of a, they're everywhere a thing, now. I, I mean, we bought a Labradoodle, Ollie's five years old and we bought it. We bought him five years ago and he's been an excellent pet. I could not ask for a better citizen to be around the lodge, around people. He doesn't bite them. He don't growl. He loves people. But they're everywhere. There's Bernadoodles, there's Labradoodles, or Golden Doodles, or Sheep Doodles. Yeah. There's Doodle Doodles. I mean, they got ever they've bled them to everything but a damn Shetland pony horse. The hell is a what was the other one? I was kidding about a Doodle Doodle. No, the one before that. Sheep Doodle. Sheep. What's a Sheep Dog Doodle? They're really cool looking dogs. Hmm. They've bred them to everything. I guess damn Doodles just a damn whore. Is that, bred them to anything? Is that gonna dilute the line of Poodle? I. The people who are breed conservatives that are doing that are doing what we're doing with the labs, I mean, no, it's not. Uh, a lot of the um, breeders who are breeding for a purpose aren't selling the people who are doing that, anyways. So, you know, just like the Labrador, you got your your Craigslist Labradors that you know have no papers or no pedigrees or no working titles, and then. You have the people who are actually using the dogs, what they were, I mean, you know, bred for. 
So you're always going to have there's that. There's three kinds like. of labs. There's a black lab, a yellow lab, and a chocolate lab. Mm-hmm. Those are three labs. And everybody wants to say they've got a yeah. red lab, a white lab. No, it's a, it's either a yellow lab yeah. is yeah. what it is. So and, and if, if it's that reddish color yeah. like Chevy was, it's, it's a yellow lab. It's a yellow lab on papers? Yellow lab. Yeah, they go from that cream white color, like that really white color, all the way up to that dark yeah, red. Yeah, they're yellow. All yellow. So if somebody says they're selling a red lab, that's not true. It's a yellow yeah. lab. It's a yellow got lab. Your light. Yeah. If you look at any of the registers, they don't recognize red. It's yeah. black, yellow, and chocolate. Those are the. Yeah, I had a guy here last year. Colors. He was telling me about these red labs he has. And freaking yellow labs. No, I have red labs. I'm not going to argue with you, bud. It's not worth it. You're right. I didn't say that. I said yes, sir. Kind of like the what's the other one? The silver labs. Silver. That's a Weimaraner. That's a Weimaraner and a black yeah, lab, isn't silver. it? Yeah, that's what everybody everybody says. The DNA says that for sure. We 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 have that question too often. And again, like you you'd mentioned earlier, there's and even with us with the British dogs, it's black and yellow. There isn't even any chocolate. It's black in and the yellow British only. line. So, um, yeah, yep. In the oh, British I didn't know that. The, the, sure. the silver. Le- most of the chocolates they have over there are coming from the United States. They're important chocolates like we are labs from there. But most of the field trialing Labradors in the UK are black, yellow factor, always, or they're uh, yellow. I've always thought the Silver Lab was an offshoot of a Chesapeake Bay Retriever, just a smaller size. They get the same eyes kind on them. Yeah, they look yeah, they like Weimaraner to me. I mean, I've seen their eyes, I've seen their head, their face. Uh, you know, I again, who knows what they actually bred to get them, but that's sure what it looks like. Well, from, they sure get pissy when someone has silver oh, lab. Shit. They well, get all pissy. It's like driving a freaking Volkswagen. Mm. Yeah. <clears throat> well, there were a couple years that the AKC recognized silver, wasn't there? I believe so, but you had to register them oh, you did? chocolate still. And then the AKC yeah. yaked that yep. right out from under them. And I bet all the silver guys were like, son of a bitch. Yeah. And I mean, even like for us, we're not, you can tell because typically the the people who are breeding the silvers have silver somewhere in their kennel name or, you know, it's not a secret. Well, they get all pissy acting though. And I, and you know what, if you've got a dog and it's a mixed dog, I mean, I've got a freaking, I don't even know what Ollie's a labradoodle, but He's just a damn mutt dog. If 1976, if you'd have seen Ollie walking down the street, you'd never say, oh, that's a Labradoodle. You'd say, it's a fucking mutt. Mm-hmm. I love him to death. He's the smartest dog I've ever had. If you got a silver lab and you love them and they're smart and they do the dog, good for you. But don't get all butt hurt when someone says it's not a regular lab because they're not. I don't. I just don't, I don't understand why they get all worked up. But there ain't nobody in the they dog do. world gets pissed. Golden Retriever people used to get all kind of pissy acting about their dogs, but they're not nothing like the silver lab people are. You know, you got a dog that's a mixed race dog, and it's a good dog. Be happy. <laughs> it's a mixed race dog. Well, I don't know what else to say about it. It's it's a hybrid. Yeah. Well, well, you know, being around dogs and dog owners for sure. I mean, you ask any dog owner what the best dog in the world theirs. is, and it's definitely theirs. I mean, that's you know, you can't argue yeah. with that. So yeah, I mean, everybody we can have a guy dog. come up here to hunt, and you got to have a private party to bring a dog. I don't care what your dog is. If you don't have a private party, you're not bringing your dog. Because, unfortunately, most of the dogs we have cannot do the work. 
But you can tell a guy his wife's got yeah. a fat ass and he don't get mad. But if you tell him his dog's not good, they take that personal. <laughs> That's probably yeah, I mean, true they just get all worked cases. up. You say what you want about his wife or, you know, and they won't get mad. But you say something about that damn dog. And, and you know, I've got a lot of guys who I don't ever hunt without my dogs. Some of those dogs, them guys must not ever go hunting because they're terrible hunting dogs. I watched Andy last year have a dog, and I'm watching from the road, and I watched the guy walk to the sprint, walk to the dead bird so the dog could pick up the bird. Why the hell do you have a dog? Just grab you some damn tongs or grabbers or something and pick the bird up and come back because you're, you're, you're saving yourself about two steps on every bird. If that. Yeah, it just... Yeah, that that would that would definitely seem counterintuitive <laughs> oh, to having a dog. And I see sure. a lot of it, a lot of it. So chocolates, um, <clears throat> do you see the longevity out of a chocolate that you would see in a black or a yellow? I haven't seen them long enough. My exposure to them, I don't have enough information to even make an opinion on that. What I've noticed just having them around the kennel when we're training some is they always seem to be a little more noisy and a lot more anxious than, than the others. Um, just a lot busier in the kennel. They don't shut it off as easy and they tend to be a little bit louder, I mean, a little it was bit more a, vocal. A chocolate, I mean, it was just a fucked up gene, wasn't it? For the first chocolate to come out. Yeah. And like I said too, once, once you got the color, everybody bred for the color. So everything that you should care about was kind of neglected, you know, the first few generations, I feel like, because they wanted chocolate over everything else. So bitability, desire, level-headedness, all that stuff was overlooked. I mean, they're, they're breeding for color and, you know, they definitely got some catch up to do to compete with, uh, you know, you look at the black labs that win everything in the, you know, field trials, you name it. The the black dogs are still the ones that so are getting So if you're picking done. a dog today, are you going black over everything else? I prefer the black color over the rest of them, and I prefer owning a female to a male. So if I'm picking a dog for me to own personally, it's going to be the a black female. female. I just, for one, they're a little bit smaller dogs. And you don't get the studiness that you do out of the males. They're not trying to piss on everything. And, you know, their, their ears tend to work a little bit better than when their nose isn't stuck to the ground all the time, trying to smell where the other nine dogs just pissed before they got there. And I just prefer the, mm -hmm. the females. All things considered, I feel like they're both capable of doing the same work at the same level at the training. Oh, there. Do you, what do you do during there? Cause they come in heat twice a year, don't they? So what do you do during yep. that time? Yeah. So at our kennel, they're just never aired at the same time. All the girls go out with the girls. All the boys go out with the boys. Um, it's pretty much as Can simple you, as that. Uh, when it is, I don't, I've never had, I've never been exposed to a female. When it is their time <laughs> of female dog, when it is, their, yeah, I've never been exposed to a female. I got two kids. I don't know how that happened. Um, when, uh, <laughs> When they're going through that cycle, do you notice any drop-offs as far in hunting situations? It depends on the dog. It really does. Some of them, you don't notice anything. I've seen some of them that get a little more fired mm -hmm. up and a little more driven. And I've seen some of them that <laughs> don't even know their name. 
So it literally depends on the dog. It affects kind them like all differently. Women. Just exactly that, that time right. that you, know, you never can yeah. tell. I mean, we've, we've, we've taken some out to train and, you know, the first mark you throw, they run 200 yards past it before they even check up to think that shit, maybe there was something back there and others that there's just no fall off at all. You don't even notice. And then some of them, you might as well just leave them in the kennel mm-hmm. because they forgot how to heal. You know, it, it just, is that it the fun part the of your dog. job is figuring out the personality of each individual dog? I would love that. Yeah, I mean, that's the challenge at the same time yeah. because they're all different. Like, you know, one of the things that I always remember, and I forget who said it, it surely wasn't me, but, you know, you don't train the dog you wish you had. You train the dog in front of you. And that's just where you have to yeah. be every single yeah, day. Yeah, it would be fun just, you know, and the way that they change on a daily basis. You know, you see, you see one that knocks it out yeah. of the park for three days straight. And then, like you said, you get them on the stand, and you're like, what the fuck? Like, what did you do last night? Yeah. Yeah, we have some of them that pick stuff up so easy, and then sometimes they'll forget it. You'll be like, (laughs) what, did you hit your head? Did you run into the door coming into the kennel? What's going on today? And then some of them you'll fight tooth and nail, and you're like, man, this dog's never going to get it. And then once they got it, they just have it. There's, You don't have to go back and revisit it. They know it. They're good. And you'll see everything in between, just like people. I mean, it's, you know, truly a case. Yeah, I mean, case you're basis. basically, uh, 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 you know, something for professional athletes. You know, it's the same situation. Everything's yeah. got to be a little bit different. And you got to find what motivates this animal as compared to the rest of the crowd. And they all have different hangups. So one dog may fly through all the hard stuff super easy and then just have problems with one simple thing and you're like okay these other 99 things that are far more difficult you're picking up with these but you know you can't get in the blind or you don't know you know just something simple that they should be able to do with these Mm -hmm. they have a little hang up with so it's just it's it's amazing to watch each individual dog and see you know kind of what makes so what is your all-time favorite drill to do with your dog and it, I guess you could give one for each level, but what's the one where you're like, this is the, this is my favorite drill that we get to do out here. I just love watching water work long entries into the water. I love watching them go with a full head of steam and just sending it into the water. That's my favorite thing to see. Um, you know, the drill work, like I tell everybody, the stuff that makes the dogs really, really good is the most tedious, not fun, not attractive, not sexy. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just work. That's the stuff that makes them look really, really good. But the fun stuff for me is definitely the big entries into the water. That's something you can just sit back and enjoy watching. So how the do y'all work. do <clears throat> just But the drill, work, the drill work is that. I mean, it's drill. It's not fun. It's just tedious and time consuming and very, very necessary to get. So what does your day look like up there at, uh, it's okay. North. I mean, will you have different. So my day specifically, we've got three full-time trainers. I am not one of those. I am the guy that is answering the phone, answering the emails, running the dogs to the vet, dealing with all the clients, dealing with all the moms and the puppies that are on the ground. So 
that's what my typical day looks like. Um, and it starts, I'm usually up about 5 a.m. And I think I let the dogs out the last time at night around 9 p.m. And then we're done. It starts at 5 a.m. for you? Yeah, yeah. I'm up usually at 5 a.m. on the computer, going through emails, doing paperwork, mailing anything out that needs to go, getting all that stuff around. And then, uh, yeah, and then my day progresses as the world starts to wake up. I start taking calls and having conversation and all that. Will y'all be at any more shows this year? (laughs) Yeah, we're going to try to hit a few more of the boss shows this year. Um, yeah, we're going to hang out with the, with the boss group and, uh, definitely try to get some more, some more shows on. Uh, Chevy going to be at any more? Um, I don't know if it'll be Chevy or some of our other studs. We'll just have to wait and see who's available and who we got. So, um, well, very good. Yeah. All right. Well, listen, we've kept you an hour now, so, uh, we appreciate the time and it was a lot of fun hanging out with you guys this past weekend and, uh, Look forward to seeing y'all down the road, yeah. and we'll uh, we'll catch up again soon. All right, perfect. Hey, Don, no, you have a great day. God, God bless you, my friend. Have a great Take week. Care, guys. See you. See you soon, Don. Bye. Bye. <clears throat> Don Colliers with Southern Oak Kennels North, right outside of Benton Harbor, Michigan. I don't know what little town they're in, but <clears throat> dogs are fun. Dogs like that are very fun. There's some dogs that aren't very much fun. What do you mean? I just. Would you ever get, you had a beagle. Would you get a beagle again? I never had a beagle. Yeah, you did. Raleigh. Not no, a beagle, not a beagle. He was a basset, uh, hound. basset hound. I'll never have another dog again in my life. Oh. Other than Ollie. And if something happened to Ollie, I'd probably get another Labradoodle just because he's been a good pet. You're only going to get about six or seven more years out of Ollie. Well, he's, he'll be 11 in six years. So if I get six more years, I do. I'm 61 then. I don't know. You know, in 20 years, I'll be 75. Oh, so no. How old are you? Oh, in 20 years, I'll be 75. Um, I wouldn't mind, uh, um, you're gonna laugh at this. I wouldn't mind having another Jack Russell. He was mean. He was a mean little fucker, but he was cool. But I I don't care about having another dog. Really? No, I don't think so. I just I feel bad. We go all the time this time of year, and I feel bad leaving Ollie behind. I do. I but, don't know. But that during the hunt season, I love to have him, and all the rest of the year, I just feel bad when I got to either bring him to the lodge and leave him when we go out of town, or we have to take him to the kennel to get put up and i always feel bad about that it was easier when ron was alive yeah because then i didn't feel bad yeah just or even like when harry would stay out here like when we'd go somewhere i didn't bother me at all because all he was rather be at the lodge anyways but yeah when dad was alive it was a lot easier because he could just stay with dad and hell dad never wanted him to go home what were beagles for were they coon dogs uh rabbit dogs i think yeah the couldn't imagine his big ass running down a rabbit the jack russell was a, a rat dog Matter of fact, dad had a friend of his. His wife had this little Jack Russell that she just loved, and it burrowed under their house. Mm-hmm. And they had to pay a backhoe to come in and to get the dog, to get out. The dog out. They spent like $20,000 to get the dog out front of the house. I saw one of those. He was stuck in a tree. Yeah. And, and uh, I think they, not, they finally had to <clears throat> cut the tree down, and it popped right out. I bet I could find it. Did you see the video of the dog that's mummified in that tree? No. Someone cut a tree down, and there was a dog mummified up in it, and old coon dog had went up in a tree and got stuck somewhere or really a, or a rabbit dog or something what was it a basset no not a basset hound uh, a lot of those are no just what terriers. are you talking well, jack russell jack russell was a rat terrier jack russell stuck in tree so you wouldn't want to do the the bite suit thing i'd rather watch you do it but i would do it 
I think it'd be. We fun. got a pretty good idea. We got another idea for a TV show we're going to do. We got invited to go to uh, Wild Rose Distillery. Yeah, that'd be fun. And then they do a tour of all their stuff they do. Oh, hang on. That was loud. And your dog gets stuck trying to retrieve a squirrel. I'd be afraid I'd cut the damn dog's legs off. That's a long freaking ride down for that dog in that tree. <laughs> Not really. Son of a it... bitch. Pow. Here he comes. I don't know how high up he was. There he is. <laughs> <laughs> It's great. <laughs> <laughs> Dogs sure are cool. That's a Jack are, Russell, isn't it? No. No? It might have some in him. Some, some kind of <laughs> shit dog. bastard was shaking off. Like It says what kind of dog it is right up there, I think. Jack, it says Jack Russell. That's a weird-looking Jack Russell. He's he got, was bigger. Yeah, he's got something else in him, I think, besides just Jack Russell. Where the uh, script forward is. Or I want to... Fast I, I, I find this very fascinating. There's some bunny hugger out there that's pissed they cut a tree down. What are they supposed to do? Well, I, that's what I would have done. <laughs> I mean, on my luck, I'd be, I forgot which tree it'd be in. Mm-hmm. Gone and got the chainsaw. Yep. Can't find him. The way he shakes off when he comes out, he's like, God almighty, Dad. It was a hell of a ride. Don't make me do that shit again. <laughs> Just <laughs> comes out of nowhere. <laughs> That is a fat little Jack Russell, though. Well, he's bigger than the older one. He's got he's his hair's different than uh, Cyrus. Cyrus had a little thicker. Cyrus was smaller too. Yeah, had did, that old blood and red shot one eye droopy. Did Cyrus run off? We just let did disappeared one day. He was a mean little fucker. Something smart, smart, smart dog though. It's funny Michelle dropped an earring, one of her diamond uh, earrings one time fell out of her, or she's taking them off or something, and it fell. And that little fucker ran up and grabbed it real quick, and put it in his mouth. Ran off. Well, fuck, we was having to monitor his shit duties for a week. We never did find the diamond. I was like, really? shit, we lost that some bitch. And then one day he grabbed something, and Michelle saw him put it behind the mirror in our bedroom. And she looked behind the mirror, and he had all these little bones back there, and that diamond earring was back there. Really? Yep. And he had just run and put everything in there. It was like his hiding spot. He just had a little rat hole. Yep. Huh. But he was a, he was a smart little dog, but he was real, whew, he was irritable. <laughs> mm, he was a grouchy little <laughs> bastard. Big personality. A lot of personality on a little dog. He thought he was a tough son of a bitch. Yeah. I don't like little dog. Most little dogs. I like them though because I like their personality. I can't stand a Chihuahua. No. So it's nastiest freaking dog. Those bug-eyed little uh, boxer dogs. Mm -hmm. Looks like somebody you know held them underwater till their eyeballs popped out. Just about. I don't. I'm not a big fan of theirs either. I saw Dobermans are getting real popular right now. Not a fan of theirs. My neighbor had one growing up, and it was a mean son of a bitch. Do you have to cut their ears? I think like they you do I, a pit bull. I, I think they do. That is the ultimate land shark. That's a dog I'm scared to death of. My neighbors had one, and he was meaner than hell. His name was Prince. Prince? Oh, yeah. Mm. But it's funny watching the watching these dogs in their situation that they're supposed to be in, like a Doberman. Um, there's a video. I don't know if they were training it or what. Um, I'm trying to find it right now. But... Basically, the kids were getting a little rowdy and getting a little close to the to the street. And this Doberman, like, herded the kids back into the yard. I've seen that video. I saw a vid another video, too, where there was a, a a cat. Neighbor's dog tried to jump on a little kid. Fucking big old tomcat jumped on them, on that dog. Whipped that dog's ass. There ain't nothing meaner than a damn big-ass tomcat. But this Doberman... Just had it out in the backyard playing, and then they—I don't know if this is a 
situation where they're like training it or whatever, but you know, they get us, they get a stranger to watch them. And then the Doberman just goes to work. Well, he looks like he tear you up. He's big too. And then he goes to the kids to make sure, make sure everything's accounted for. And then just stands guard. There ain't nothing more loyal and loving than a dog. No, we don't deserve dogs. They really are. I mean, and they're so, they're so, I was thinking about that the other day. I can, I could beat Ollie's ass and he'd come back and want me to hug and love on him. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just, they're, they're such a good animal. They're so loving. We'd be a lot better off if a lot more humans had a lot more of that in them. Yeah. It's just like somebody said, you know, go lock your wife up in the back of your, back of your truck for hours on end and see if she's wagging her tail whenever you let her out. Yeah, I'm about two minutes, and Michelle be really kill my ass. We don't deserve dogs. No, we don't. All right, uh, that is it for today. You, but let's, I'm going to talk about one little thing real quick going on in the world. Did you see where uh, the city of Atlanta is going to do away with squatters' rights? Really? Yep, no more free rides. Had enough. They've had enough. I don't blame them. I don't even understand how you think it's okay. Um. I heard a lady one time talking to another lady about squatting, and she goes, yeah, I can stay there for 90 days for free. It's just a free place to live for 90 days. What, what in your mind, how are you wired so different that you think that's okay? Right. First of all, I want a home. I don't want to be somewhere I can live for 90 days. Mm-hmm. I think this was the video. Little girl gets a little too, sh- little too close. A little too close to the road. The dog's nervous. You can tell. Mm-hmm. He don't like it. But yeah, I don't. I don't. That that's good for Atlanta. I saw also saw where New York is not. Uh, they've reversed a lot of migrant uh, policies that they had. I guess the fifty three million dollar paycheck or whatever the hell it was going to be. It's not going to happen. I saw where fifty Eric, cent came out after you know they should. About. Eric Adams, our mayor, this morning was getting harassed by the Hamas people. And he said that, uh, he goes, well, turn back the hostages. Right. You know, I, what's really weird is, is I don't, John Fetterman is a, is a fucking wacko. The guy from Pennsylvania. He's showing some balls right he now. He has, and he's really stepped aside outside of the Democratic deal. <clears throat> so uh, that's really kind of surprised me because he's really big on this Palestine deal too. I'm tired of us spit, sending our money and our kids around the world. Police kids. I'm bringing every one of our troops home. We need to go line by line on every person on or on every uh, dollar we give to foreign countries. I'm sick of it. We're broke. Spend the money here. Quit spending money on there. Lock the damn border down. Quit giving money to foreign countries. Let them make it on their damn own. I'm yeah. tired. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm absolutely sick of it. We've did this. The green money shit ain't working. These, these, these damn um, windmills are going only run 60% of the time. Anyways, mm-hmm. they're putting 1500 of them on the Wagner ranch. It's all that. It's, yeah, it, you got to cut their ears. Dobermans. Look at that big bastard. Holy shit. He's big, too. Yeah, I wouldn't want to have to fight that son of a bitch. Whew. What was Scooby-Doo? They were bred to protect a hated taxpayer. He was a, con- he was a uh, see cartoon. How, see how his ears are down? No, he yeah. was a certain dog. I don't know. He was a cartoon. I don't know. Because that looks a little bit like Scooby-Doo. Yeah, well. All right. Scooby-Doo never scared nobody. No, he's... A, if you had to get a dog pot, outside, of the re- outside of the retriever bit, dog, what would you get? Last question. Ooh, if I had to get a dog, like he was just going to be a house dog? Yep. Oh, fuck. I don't know. I don't really like little dogs. 
Little dogs kind of piss me off. Big personality. I don't know. I've, I mean, I've seen a lot of TikTok videos on Dobermans. Maybe a golden retriever. Well, no, he's a retriever, isn't he? Yep. Uh, huh. It's a good question. I've never thought of that. A I cat? And fuck no. <laughs> no. I'll never have a cat. Cats are uh, cats are feral. It doesn't matter how much how much they're in the house. They are a feral animal. They more birds die per year to to cats than anything else. So you can't breed that out of them. The, the, and cats don't like you. I don't care what you think. Cats hate the people. Like you, you're there to put food and water in front of them and clean out their their shit box, their litter box. That's the only thing. And they realize that they know that you're not good for anything else. I'll never have a cat. Never. I don't care. It's it's not happening. Cats hate us, and I hate cats back. Um, and your neighbor's got a ton of them. Yeah, a lot. And you have to deal with them all the time. Uh, you know, you know the Basset Hound was he was kind of cool, kind of lazy when we had him. Big ears. I don't know how he did it. Um, I bulldogs. I wouldn't get them. They have a short life expectancy. They're cool looking, but they can't breathe. Uh, their noses are too short for their body. If I had to get another dog, I don't know. Maybe a Belgian Malinois, little house, little house protector. We would do that. I don't know how. I don't know how well. I know what people say. Oh, they make great. You know, they can be good pets. But you know, I got small kids. Yes. I don't want them sneaking up on him and grabbing his tail while he's sleeping and. I don't think they would. Come alive. I don't think that he would attack them at you all. You don't think so? Nah. Well, first of all, your boys ain't that little no more. Reese is old enough and Jameson <clears throat> both don't grab the dog by the damn tail. Well, I mean, just being loud. Uh, I don't think that bothers them. You don't think so? Nah, them dogs are trained for a bomb to go off. Yeah, but I don't think I'd train them. Just have a... just As a he, pet? He wouldn't make a good pet. He'd have to have a purpose. A lot but, of dogs are just working dogs. They say the smartest dog is the cow dog. Yeah, I wouldn't want one of them. Well, they're some mean, vicious fuckers. I don't want a dog smarter than me. I like, I mean, the, looking at the Dobermans, they look pretty cool. Well, I don't know. I don't know what I'd get. If you don't like a dog smarter than you, you need to see back calling that guy that who brung his dog this year that was terrible. Maybe he'll say he is dog. Right. Because that dog definitely wasn't as smart as you are. I think, do you think that dogs, do you think there are just some, because on video here of a pit bull, looks sweet as can be. I'm not a fan. But do you think that there's just some dogs that do you think that it's nature or nurture with dogs? I don't like, know. Can you get a pit bull that is a good citizen and happy to be around? I mean, obviously you can because a lot of people do, but a lot of times it's just in their nature. That's another thing you can get grilled over because if you talk shit about pit bulls, the pit bull owners will come out by crazy yeah. about how great a pets they are. Right. But then you read about one killing two kids in a house or something sometimes. But they were originally the nanny dog. Right. But you hear, you see, you hear so many people that have them that just absolutely love them that about how great a pets they are. I've never had one. I knew a, my, when I was a little kid, my dad uh, <laughs> was fireman with a guy who fought dogs. Hmm. And he had a dog named King Solomon. And King Solomon was the world champion fighter. Until King Solomon got ran over by his owner doing some road work one time, he'd he'd go train him like a boxer, and they'd go run, and he'd just tie a rope on the truck, and he actually ran over him one time, broke his leg, right? Didn't kill him, but uh, just a mean ass dog. And so I always grew up with the deal that pit bull dogs were just mean as shit. 
but I've known a lot of friends that have had them that, that just absolutely love them. But see, um, there, Jeff, that's what we're going to do right there. Screw a bunch of that shit. Oh, Django looks like he'll rip you. Look at the teeth on that damn dog. Do you think I could get, if I got another black dog, you think I, if I named him Django, would I get in trouble for that? By who? Is there mm, dog it, police out is, there? Is it racist? No. Have a black dog named Django? Why? I don't, it's, people are too damn sensitive about shit. It's a name. You I know? agree. Well, if you call him Martin. I mean, seriously, I mean, is there a name that's designated that you can't name somebody because it might offend somebody that's black? There's every name out there someone's black. There's a black Jeff. There's a black Andy. I was watching uh, late last night Beverly Hills Cop, the first one. That's pretty funny. Hilarious. Yeah. They don't, Eddie Murphy's not, he needs to just give it up on trying to do that kind of stuff again, but he was great at that time. They got another one coming out. It'll to be terrible. The last three have been terrible. Beverly Hills Cop. It's only going to be on Netflix. Beverly Hills Cop 23 or some shit. I don't know what it, it won't, is. It's, they just, I thought the second one was good, too. It was. The first two were really good. Coming to America 2 sucked. And that's a shame because Coming to America 1 is great. And I, I just I don't know why they try to. That's how bad things are in Hollywood. They're trying to catch up because they're right. trying so hard to find other things to watch. Here's a Belgian Malinois. How close do you think they got to get this thing to yeah, the ground running. let him go? Oh, shit. He's going. He's going to rip somebody's ass off. <laughs> Let that sucker go. That's going to be you on the other end. Oh, hell no. We can do this, Jeff. Be fat Jeff down right there. Jeff never get up. We can do this, I'm Jeff. afraid he'll get me like on the bone in my ankle or some shit. <laughs> or somewhere that's not protected. I actually am worried about the helicopter hitting me. <laughs> right? Yeah, what are you scared of here? The helicopter or the dog? The dog. At least the helicopter hits him. It's going to kill me. That Great. dog's just going to make me hurt for a while. Oh, 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 there ain't nothing about that that sounds fun. Now, I'm laughing if that's you. Look at, dog. Look at the steam coming out of his mouth. Ooh, he's Good ready. Lord. He's ready to rip somebody's a new ass. Look at that. Oh, hell no. I'd rather have a mountain lion almost after me. <laughs> you know what? You think about it. You choose that dog, a mountain lion, or a grizzly bear. Something quick. I want whatever kills me first. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Oh, oh she's in her dog's fixing to get? Mm-hmm. I think I'd take oh. the mountain lion. Oh, yeah. Look at how fast that sucker is. That guy doesn't have any, he doesn't have any face protection. You want face protection, oh, I feel like. I don't think situation. they're trained to go for the face. Oh, oh son of a bitch. Nuts. Oh, hell no. Oh, no, no, no. That hurts me so bad. He's just wearing like coveralls. We can do this, Jeff. Yeah. You can just sit down. You sit down mm-hmm. and I'll I'll run. Mm-hmm. Well, we got a couple things lined up to for the next show season. I think it'll be fun. All right. Uh coming up, we've got the women. My mother and your wife, my wife, and then uh, got the boys from Pacific. I got a couple of new things coming out, um, so they'll be on this week. Next week, we've got uh, White Mallet with Mallard Bay will be on with us. He's going to be in studio. We're going to talk about some really cool stuff they got going on. Yeah, he's and a cool dude. I don't know what else we have next week. We haven't even got to that far. We're getting into the podcast season. I've got a lot of different. Uh, things I've reached out to and talked to different people about. So some cool stuff going on. That's got to be hard for uh, the guy with the gun. The trailer for On the Road with Boss will be coming out soon. And then we'll have a trailer for season three of The First Family of Waterfowl be coming out pretty soon too. Come to Bass Pro Bass Classic in Tulsa, Oklahoma, March 14th or 18th maybe. Somewhere around then that weekend. We'll be in Tulsa with the Boss guys. Anyways, look forward to it. Had a great time with uh, Dirk and Kaylin, Acart, uh, Connor, uh, who else was in the booth that I'm leaving out? Because I know I'm leaving somebody else out. 
Had a good time in Memphis or Nashville. We'll talk about that on the next podcast. Thank y'all. God bless y'all. Have a great week. I got a few dove hunting deals. If you're in a corporate dove hunting, you got 20 people, private group, holler at me. I've got a couple weekday groups I can do and maybe one weekend. Thanks. Peace. God bless. Bye. Love you. Bye. Watch for deer. Go check out all of our sponsors. Go check out the Looking Glass Podcast, Lucky Duck, Shin Gear, Ducks Unlimited, Double T British Kennels, Mossberg, Stanfield Outfitters, Alpha Outdoor Specialties, Hemp Hill Farm, use the promo code BHP, Dirty Duck Coffee, Dive Bomb Industries, Specific Calls, BHP 25, saves 10, 25% off at checkout, Boss Shot Shells, and MLR Graphics.